you're writing a story, you have your characters, you have your plot, but what about world building? several out there. Welcome to the new podcast, What About World Building, where we, specifically I, your wonderful host, will talk about the questions that really matter. What is love? To be or not to be? What is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? And, most importantly, what about world building? So, what about world building? What is it? What's so important about it? Why should anyone care? First off, world building is the process where the creator of a story constructs the world the story takes place in. It might be any kind of media, books, movies, TV shows, podcasts, comics, YouTube dramas, whatever it is, if it has a story, that story inhabits a world. And as a creator, you must create that world. You must build it. World building can be an intensive process. People such as J.R.R. Tolkien and Hiroma Arakawa create entire different realities for their stories. Everything from culture and politics to the maps of the very ground walked by their characters comes from them. Tolkien, an old famous example of someone who really got into world building, spent years developing the history of Middle Earth and all the peoples that populated it, including their languages. His four main books, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy, are accompanied by at least two other books, a bestiary and something that amounts to the ancient history slash creation story of Middle-earth. Tolkien thought up cultures for the hobbits, elves, dwarves, and humans of his world, with most of those races I mentioned having subcultures and different aspects within themselves. Most famously, we have Rohan and Gondor and the other, quote, cities of men, unquote, as well as the different elves, from the drunken forest elf raves of Legolas's home to the probably more stately dues of the last homely house of Elrond. The dude spent ages on this one world, and it really shows. Hiromu Arakawa hasn't spent as long on her series. It's kind of a given since she's not as old as Token, but her world is still a rich tapestry. From the small town economies of Resinbul to the bustling shops in Central, Arakawa certainly shows a strong grasp of the economic makeup of various types of places in Amestris that we see as our heroes travel it in search of the Philosopher's Stone. Her world-building doesn't focus so much on the absolute creation of culture the way Tolkien did. She borrows from other countries. Not to say that Tolkien didn't. The guy was steeped in British culture, and the Shire is basically a recreation of certain parts of rural England. It's just that it's harder to see the inspiration when one is basing the stuff off one's own culture, as Tolkien did, as opposed to borrowing from different places, as Arakawa did in Full Metal Alchemist. The point is, Arakawa's world shows a lot of different influences, and it's obvious that she set out to build a world similar to ours, but with a few things that work differently, but explored just how thoroughly those few differences could change familiar things. 
in all the countries Arakawa has created for Full Metal Alchemist, alchemy works. There might be different styles and uh, theories as to how the alchemy works, but there are people who can actually change lead into gold, along with a bunch of other really cool stuff. This alchemy may or may not have helped in the creation of automail, the high-tech prosthetic limbs that are available in this world. Automail is, as the name implies, a metal limb. What makes it high-tech is that the automail is linked to the body's nervous system, and nerve impulses make the limb move just like a flesh and blood limb. Arakawa did a darn good job of researching what kind of stuff this would imply. One of my favorite scenes takes place in a snowy mountain where automail that hasn't been winterized causes some real problems because having a big hunk of metal stuck to you at sub-zero temperatures can cause issues. Arakawa realized this and worked it into her world building, which I thought was cool. Either way, Tolkien and Arakawa got pretty intense with their respective worlds. It doesn't always have to be that way, though. Even something as real-worldy as Jane Austen, Jodie Picoult, or any given crime fiction writer has to make the specifics of the world their characters inhabit. There might not be a specific speakeasy on 7th Street, like the author said, because the author made one up. It was <laughs> built into the world. Get it? Though the more, quote, normal, unquote, fiction writers tend to have to think less about their world building. Sure, they might put a hospital weirdly far away from a crime scene to up drama, but at the end of the day, that probably won't jolt the reader out of their suspension of disbelief. Historical writers need to play with world building as well, depending on what period of history they're writing in and what part of the world. Some parts of the world are documented more thoroughly than others. I could probably paint you a better picture of 1920s Tokyo than any given town in 1920s rural South Dakota, since Tokyo is going to have way more primary sources than rural South Dakota. People were writing things down, documenting things, observing life, being paid to observe life. Not to say that people in South Dakota weren't doing that. I'm just imagining that rural South Dakota setting to be mostly farmland. And if you're in farmland, there's a lot of work to be done. And less time to write observations on the inherent nature of man and nature itself as you might have in a city. Of course, this is an assumption by me, since I'm not a historian of either Tokyo or South Dakota. Or the 1920s, for that matter. Or at all! I'm just not a historian, okay? The further into the past you get, the more you need to speculate. Guesses have to be made, and the world needs to be reconstructed, if not specifically built. But really, at the end of the day, this show is mostly aimed at those sci-fi fantasy folks who might be contemplating differences as small as all our phones are voice activated to the printing press was powered by magic and dragons are totally a thing. And of course, anyone who wants to come along for the ride. What's important about world building? Well, what's so important about your house? No, seriously, your story lives in the world you create. Sloppy world building doesn't automatically destroy a story, just like immaculate world building doesn't automatically save it. But having a solid world for your characters to stand on and for you to build your plot on sure can't hurt. Strong world building and consistent internal logic make a world real in ways that florid purple prose can't. 
without strong world-building, you're left with a world that might have an occasional head-scratcher of a moment at best, and a story that the audience can't get into at worst. If there's no consistency, or if the world isn't well put together, the audience might not understand what's going on, or it might be so convoluted that they just can't get into it. The world-building is where consequences come from. Well, half of the consequences. The other half are the characters that are immediately around and things like that. But the world-building dictates how the land, the economy, the politics, the society in general will react to whatever your characters just did. Skimping out on that can leave people feeling cheated or empty. You might cut off your audience from the story entirely. Maybe in your writing you decide to have a character destroy part of a building in the city. How the wider society reacts tells us about this building. Was its destruction a liberating moment for the wider society? Was it a moment of fear? The reaction of the people will show the reader where the building fits into the world better than saying, the bomb exploded and destroyed a wall of the hated prison. That's just an example, of course. We don't need to destroy buildings specifically. There's always streets, walls, statues, public, uh, clothes, uh, laws, things like that. Why should you care about this? This being world building, naturally. Well, if you haven't been convinced by now, I don't really know why you'd be here in the first place. But imagine your book is like a snow globe. The characters are the snow or glitter that's inside, and the plot is the water that they're immersed in. Your setting, your world, is the rest of the globe. It's the glass where the snow and the water are contained in. It's the cool stationary things that the snow falls on or swirls around. Sure, the plot and the characters are what people watch, but they definitely enjoy the world, too. In fact, for sci-fi fantasy writers and readers, exploring the world is half of the fun for a lot of people. Read to explore new worlds, say a lot of those kitschy posters that elementary schools put up to try and convince kids reading is fun, and it is. But people really do like to learn about these cool new worlds. And a lot of fans will try and figure out every single aspect of a world they like. Just look up fan theories from Star Trek or Harry Potter or Third Thing. The study of Klingon as a language has real-world impacts. People have used the Klingon language to communicate each other despite real-world language barriers. And there are debates over differences between Vulcans and Romulans. People discuss the specifics of the reform Serac enforced during the time of awakening. Theories abound regarding how the green, copper-based Vulcan blood would interact with the red, iron-based human blood in the case of Spock, who is half and half, and in the case of Amanda Grayson, his mother. In Harry Potter, there are oceans worth of electronic ink spilled over debates of the specific policies in place to deal with this or that, and people to this day talk about what the Hogwarts houses really mean. Not to mention the firestorm J.K. Rowling sets off when she released her version of the history of magic in North America. Now that's an entire episode right there. But later. Later, my listening several. The point is, world building gives your fans something that they are obviously seeking. People love these kinds of things. Maybe they would like to figure out how it works, or maybe they just love looking. 
Either way, wouldn't it be better to entertain them with something solid instead of some bare-bones, rickety world you just slap together in five minutes? World-building can be fun. You're the master of an entire world. Who wouldn't like that kind of power? Of course, I can't force you to do anything yet. But really, the kinds of things you can create with a little world-building can be breathtaking and fun. You'll like it. Your fans will definitely enjoy it. It's a real win-win situation. At the end of the day, it's all up to you. However, I'm still going to keep doing these. I love world building. I love its importance to plot, to character, and to the overall story. Really, I've just spent a ton of time and effort telling you all about it, so you should really know this by now. Really, I've just spent a ton I've just spent a ton of time and effort telling you all about it, so you should know this by now. But that's okay, my listening several. That's okay. You go about your day, I'll go about mine, and eventually I'll figure out some kind of natural-sounding sign-off. Bye!